0: What a beautiful song about how God's love has no limits and his grace has no measure. And we're going to see that tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight as we're going to look at the subject of uh, when time doesn't heal. You know, there's that statement that people sometimes make to you when you're suffering in some way and they say, well, time heals all things. But that's not always true, and it wasn't always true for Paul. Time didn't heal all things for him. But he found something else. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, page 1149, it says these words, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. 1 through 10. Paul says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Then I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. He was caught up to paradise, and he heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. And I will boast about a man like that, but I'm not going to boast about myself except about my weaknesses even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. And therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. May God bless us as we look at these words, especially the part about the thorn in the flesh and God's words, my grace is sufficient for you. May he bless his word to us tonight. People of God, tonight as we begin, I want you to think about in your life What is it right now that is a deep concern, maybe your deepest concern in your life? And maybe it's the thing that you are praying about the most. I want you to think about that. Is there something in your life that you say, well, the thing that I'm really struggling the most with is, and it may be something in your family that's happening. And you've prayed about it, and you've prayed about it several times to God. Or maybe it can be something at work, and it's bothering you, and you've been praying about that, and you say, well, the thing that's most difficult for me right now is this. Or maybe it's something that's happening in you personally, maybe physically, something that you're struggling with. You know, when we hear the word cancer, we immediately begin to be concerned, and we wonder what's going to happen with the treatments And sometimes that's the number one thing that's on our heart and on our mind. And then I think about how sometimes it's a person in our life. And it's a person that we're having a difficult time with. Maybe somebody that was a friend at one time or maybe somebody within your family. And it really is a concern. The deepest concern in your life right now, you would say, is this person. I don't know what it is, but I believe that every one of us has those things in our life that we pray about and pray about, and bring to the Lord. And they are the biggest concerns that we have at that point in our life. And when I think about that, and I think about how people tell us, and they can so flippantly give us an easy answer, well, they'll say to us, well, time heals all wounds. So don't worry about that. It doesn't help us, because we're in such great pain. You know, that reminds me then of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because here Paul writes about what happened to him and he tells us that even though he is so blessed in so many ways by God and he describes that in the first part of this chapter, he has seen these visions of heaven and even of paradise itself, yet he says, but there was a thorn that was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And as he says those words, he, he describes something and he says, I prayed about it three times. I pleaded, I begged with the Lord to take it away from me. But obviously from what he says here, the Lord didn't take it away from him. And we know that in our life there are times when we pray and we pray and sometimes not just three times, but we pray repeatedly. Some of you have things you've been praying about for months, and some of you for years, and you say, I've been praying about this, and it's not just three times, but it's been hundreds of times, and nothing changes. What can I do? Well, as we look at him, and as we see him pleading with God about his thorn in the flesh, the interesting thing is God doesn't tell us, and he doesn't tell us exactly what it is. And people have speculated, and they've said, well, probably it's something physical, because he talks about a thorn in the flesh. And we know from other parts of the scriptures in 1 Corinthians, he talks about how uh, he has this problem that he has with speaking, and that he doesn't come with great speeches, he doesn't come with wonderful words and persuading arguments, he says. But I come only in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says in 1 Corinthians, I came to you in weakness and in trembling and in fear. So it could be that he may have had a problem with speaking in public and that it was so anxious for him. He came in fear, he says, and in trembling. And he says, I preach not with wisdom or or persuasive words, but I rely on the power of God. Maybe that was his biggest struggle and that's the thorn in the flesh he talks about. Or, or it could be that he was becoming blind because he writes in one of his letters, see with what big letters I write. And maybe as he was getting older, and he certainly was as he was writing his letters from prison and his letter to the Corinthians, it could be that his eyesight was failing him and he prayed that God would give him good eyesight so that he could continue to do his work for Jesus Christ. And you see, it could be it was something like that, which it wasn't a selfish thing for him, but it was, Lord, if you're going to use me, help me, this thorn in the flesh, take it away. I write with such big letters to you, he says at one point. So we don't know exactly what it could be. It, it isn't that he tells us exactly what it is. Some people have speculated about it, and they say, you know, with Paul, when he says this, he had been quite the persecutor of the Christians earlier in his life. And it could be that he had memories of those days when he actually was persecuting the Christians. In fact, you know, it was on the way on the road to Damascus when suddenly he heard a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And, and maybe he could have those flashbacks like some people have where the memories are so vivid and so real and it, there's the guilt of what he had done. And some people have that today where, they look back and they see the past and some of them have been in a war and they have been, I've talked to many people who have been in war and had to kill people and they have these terrible memories. I just came here from Heinz Hospital on my way here where I visited Clara Lanning who was in the spinal cord injury part of that hospital and when I went through that corridor today, I thought there's a lot of people in this place that probably have that post-traumatic disorder that they have these memories that haunt them, and it's the biggest thing in their life. We don't know if that's what Paul had and that's what he meant by his thorn in the flesh. And and we don't know if it was people in his life. There were many people who were cruel to to him. He, He writes in the chapter before this, in chapter 11, all about all the terrible things that happened to him. He says in chapter 11, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Now we can just read that and skip over it, but imagine that. Being so persecuted by people that hate you that they had a professional person hit you 39 times. They spared you the 40th to show that they were sparing you and were being kind. Five times he had the 39 lashes, the 40 minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked and I spent a night and a day in the open seas. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers." I've labored and I've toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. He says, and besides all that, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. And so he talks about it, and we can just read it and sit back and say, oh, that's too bad. But imagine what he's talking about, being beaten with rods, being lashed 39 times, three times, having people hate him so much in the cities, in the country, wherever he went, there were people that he could think of that were so cruel to him Is that his thorn-in-the-flesh people who just plain despised Paul. And so he doesn't tell us. And another thought that many people have is that he had what so many people have, and that is temptations were like a thorn-in-the-flesh, particularly for many people, sexual temptation. And Paul writes... In Romans, the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I practice. Oh, wretched man that I am, he says. Who will deliver me? And so, you see, we don't know what it is, but in a way it's a good thing that God doesn't tell us exactly what his thorn in the flesh is. Because all of us can identify with the thoughts that he gives us here. And the thought is, that it is something so painful. It is something that is from Satan and it is something that tormented him. It was terribly painful. Now, what can he do? Time does not heal all wounds. Three times he said, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And you know, each of us knows that there are things in our life that we have prayed about and you are praying about maybe now, but they haven't been taken away. What does God say? Well, God says to us, continue to plead with me to remove the thorn. Keep your prayers up. Give to me the problem that's there and I will be there for you. And what you see here is that as Paul pours his heart out to God, God gives him an answer. And this is the answer. This is the principle that God gives. My Grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. You know, as Paul wrestles with his thorn in the flesh, and as you and I do at different times in our life, we realize that what Paul says here is so true that it's only in God's grace that we are able to move on. Paul says earlier that this thing happened because it would keep him from becoming conceited. And you think about that. Sometimes God has a reason to allow these pains in our life because otherwise we would trust in ourselves. Otherwise we would think that we are great enough or good enough that we can take care of these thorns that come in our flesh. Otherwise, we would think if God simply removed them all, I don't need God at all. I'm self-sufficient. But in order for Paul from becoming self-sufficient, in order for Paul to not become conceited, he says, God gave me this thing that he did not take away. And you see, what God's purpose is in us always, as he allows these problems in our life, is to build our character, to make us more dependent upon him, to make us realize our need for him. Sometimes he allows these thorns in the flesh from Satan. And and Paul had to learn, "All all of my strength must come from God. You know, if Paul hadn't had that thorn in the flesh, he probably never would have experienced the grace of God in the same way that he did because it wasn't taken away. And you know, the same thing is true for you and for me. God allows us to be humbled. God allows us to see our dependence and experience it when he allows that thorn in the flesh that isn't taken away. We pray and we pray, and yet God says, but I will give you the grace. Sometimes we say, well, why doesn't God heal me? Why doesn't he take this thorn away? And God says, in your struggles, I will be there for you every single moment of the day. I will never leave you, God says. I will never forsake you. Now, if you did have any thorns in the flesh, and if you were pleading, how long, O oh Lord, how long must I do this? God says, sometimes I will never take it away. I need you to understand and experience and feel your need for my grace. Otherwise, grace is just simply a word that we use. Grace is simply a nice concept that's in our mind. But when the thorn in the flesh, and I think every one of us has them, when that thorn in the flesh isn't taken away, even after we've pleaded so long, God's answer is this, my grace is sufficient for you. I am there for you. And Paul even says, in my weakness now, I will so gladly, I will gladly see that it's, so that God's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Isn't that interesting? I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I even delight in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong in the Lord. Now, people of God, we might not like it that God has to teach us this way, but sometimes it's the only way that we're going to hear the voice of God. When he allows these things where we have to depend so much on him that we know we can't go on alone, that his grace just takes us from one hour and from one moment and from one second to the next, then we can say with Paul, I know that these things are there so that I will see my need for the Lord. But sometimes we say, is God's strength really sufficient? Is it going to be enough for me? Sometimes we feel as if we cannot go on. And it's there that God's everlasting arms pick us up and help us to go on. His strength is there for us. I was talking to Claire Lanning just an hour and a half ago and I told him what I was going to preach about tonight here at uh, Lombard Church, or excuse me, Faith Church. And uh, I, I told him I would be coming here to Elmhurst and he said, well, and I told him it was going to be about God's grace being sufficient. And he said, well, tell him about me. Tell him that I know God's grace is sufficient for me. And it's so interesting because with Claire, I I don't know what I would do if I was laying in that bed, but he's in a a bed in the spinal cord injury and he's paralyzed from the neck down. He can't move any of his body. I don't know how I would react and how I would be, but every single time, and I visited him every week since August when he had the accident, the car accident that paralyzed him. And every time he says, but I love the Lord and I know he's with me. And he knows that God is going to carry him through whatever way God does that. And and the strength of his faith in the Lord is just something amazing to see. So he said, tell them about me. And he says to me, I I, I never shed tears for myself. He said, when you tell me about how much God loves me, and I've seen it, then the tears come. When you tell me, I sometimes tell him how many people are praying for him, then the tears start to fall. They said, not once have I cried for myself. I know that God is with me. You know, sometimes we argue with God. Sometimes we feel that God won't give us enough strength to go on. There's a wonderful story about several people that were on an airplane, and they were going to go up in this airplane, and as they were uh, on the way on the trip, it happened that there were parachutes in that airplane and they were going to go and parachute out, but they were kind of nervous about it and they didn't know if they could do that. And then the pilot announced, and it was true, that there was something wrong with the engine and that they had to leave quite quickly. They all had to get out. So they got their parachutes on, and as they got their parachutes on, there was an attendant right by the door where they were supposed to go out. And it's so interesting because as each one of them came to the door. Each one had, and it's almost humorous, the first one came and they said, but you know, can I have a different color parachute? I've got a green one and I want a blue one. And they said, no, your parachute is exactly enough. That's all you need. Don't worry about a different color one. And then the next person came and they said, well, can you give me something because my stomach gets kind of churny when I have to uh, go out. I'm afraid of heights. And they said, no, your parachute that's enough for you. That's all you're going to need. That will save you. That will uh, bring you down to a safe landing. And then the next one came, and they had some other thing that they were concerned about. And every one of them had something else that they would argue about it. And they said, "No, your parachute is enough. It's all you need." And you know, sometimes we're like that. We we have all kinds of ideas for God. We kind of argue with God. We want Him to change this our way. We want Him to do this our way, and. We don't think he's sufficient and his grace is sufficient. But here's what Paul says. The Lord answered me after I prayed three times. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. You're going to see how much. And that's the takeaway God gives to us tonight. The takeaway is that God's grace is sufficient for us. This past week, as I go back and forth from uh, our home in Orland Park, I go to Park Place here in Elmhurst uh, three times a week to work as the chaplain right here. And I often listen to different books, but also some music sometimes. And This past week, I just happened to have in my car some of the old uh, Knickerbocker uh, CDs from the records that they used to have. One of the CDs is exactly the picture on the CD that my dad had the record of the Knickerbockers chorus years ago. And I think one of their most beautiful songs that they used to sing is the song There is a Balm in Gilead. And you remember how they could sing it with such dynamics in such a beautiful way, Mr. Kicker had just this amazing way to lead that men's chorus. Never, ever, ever heard anything like it. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. And it says that balm, is God's wonderful, wonderful gift of himself and his grace for us.